Good morning. How y'all doing today? Hey, uh, we're, uh, we're glad you're here today. We're, we're continuing with a, a series of messages that we, we started last week called The Gospel. And the gospel is what, what we talked about. Does, it, does anybody remember if you were here last week, if you've been here before, what does gospel mean? It's a, a biblical word that means what? Good news. Great. So I'm glad you're learning that. Share that with as many people as you can. Gospel means good news. And that is the term that the early followers of Jesus gave to the story of Jesus. The Apostle Paul talks about it all the time in the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament. And in there, he talks about the gospel. And remember last week, we read the passage from Corinthians where Paul said, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you while I was with you. And so the gospel is the good news. It's the story of how Jesus left heaven, came to earth, was born in a, born in a manger, <clears throat> which we just celebrated at Christmas time, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross for us, and came back to life, and then left to go to heaven, and he's coming back to get his followers again. That is the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. It's the good news. And, and when we were thinking about doing this, this series of messages on the gospel, I thought about something that someone said to me one time, and I thought it was, it was very true about who we are as human beings. So I wrote it down. It's one of those things I've kind of held on to over the years. And this person said that all of us as humans are looking for something to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. And as I thought about that, I thought that's very true just in my life and other people I've known. That's what we are looking for as humans. We're looking for something to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. And as I, as I thought through that, it occurred to me that the gospel provides all three of those for us. The gospel provides for us, if, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you are living for Him, it provides for us something to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. And today, I want to talk to you about something to love. We're going to talk about something to love and how the gospel provides for us something to love. Now, chances are you're a lot like me, and I use the word love for a lot of things. I started thinking about it as I was preparing this message, and, and if I think about all the things in my life that I have said out loud, oh, I love this, I mean, it, it ranges from, I, of course, I've, I've said that I love my wife, and I love my girls, and, and, and I love uh, my church, I love football, I love baseball, I love barbecue, I love live music, I love recorded music, I love the NBA playoffs, I love Krispy Kreme donuts, I love Table Rock, I love Bull Peanuts, I love Garden City Beach, Surfside Beach, Myrtle Beach, pretty much anywhere with sand and salt water, I love that. I love country ham biscuits. Uh, it just there, There's all kinds of things that I have said before, oh, I love this. And, and so when, it, when, when you think about it now, if, if I'm honest, I, I, obviously I don't love my wife the same that I love country ham biscuits. Even though country ham biscuits are really good, I love my wife a whole lot more than country ham biscuits. And, and so, so I use this, this term love, I probably overuse it, and you probably do too. There's probably a lot of things you've said before that you love. And I think that that kind of helps make the point that we as human beings, we're looking for something to love. We, we, we write songs about it, we have movies about it, and we use it all the time, and we talk about the things that we love. Well, Jesus, he spoke a lot about love when he was on earth. He talked a whole lot about it. Now, he didn't 
write love stories like The Notebook or something, you know, disgusting like that. I'm just kidding, lady. I'm sure The Notebook is good, but from what I've seen of it is I'm just too manly to watch it. But I'll probably, see, what I'll do one night is I'll turn over to the Wii Network and it'll be on there and then I'll be like crying, you know, with nobody watching. Oh, that is so good. Um, But Jesus didn't talk about love in those terms. Jesus talked about love that's beyond that. He he talked about the most important kind of love. He talked about love that that transforms lives. And and so I want to read to you the the scripture that we're going to use today. And if you've got your Bibles with you, it's in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. It's towards the end. And it's it's in the book of Matthew chapter 22. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and find that. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And this is what Jesus said while he was teaching here on earth. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now I'm getting ready to talk about something and I want to tell you a little joke before. There's a, there's an old joke. This is this is what you would hear. Uh, this is a joke you might hear like at a revival meeting at, at a you know a real traditional church. And there's this joke where there's this preacher and uh, he uh, he preaches a sermon one Sunday morning and people like it. And then the next Sunday morning he stands up and he preaches the exact same sermon. Same illustrations, same points, reads the same poem at the end, same thing. And then the next Sunday, he preaches the exact same sermon again. And then the fourth Sunday, he preaches the exact same sermon again. Four Sundays in a row, same exact, he doesn't, he doesn't even stand up and say, hey, I'm preaching the same thing, he just gets up there and does it. And that night, they have a deacon's meeting on Sunday night after church. And, uh, and, and so he goes to the deacon's meeting, and, and uh, he walks in there, and the deacons say, uh, Pastor, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you've preached the same message four Sundays in a row. And he said, you're right, I have. And they said, why in the world have you done that? He said, well, once we start doing that, then I'll move on to something else. And see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a message today based on Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And you're going to be sitting here, and some of you that have been around here a while, you're going to say, I've heard Cliff say this exact same stuff before. And I'm not saying it to you like once you start, I'm saying it to myself too. This is something that I need to be reminded of. This is something that you need to be reminded of. And what the message of Matthew 22, 37 through 40, I've talked about it before. I talked about it just in December. Just if you just go back to the podcast and you listen to when I preached in December, it's basically the same thing I'm talking about today. But it's something that I think we need to be reminded of over and over and over again because I need it and I think that you probably need it as well. Now let me, let me help you understand what, the, what was going on in this, in this passage of Scripture. If you notice, verse 37 starts off with Jesus replied. What was Jesus replying to? Well, this was at a time in Jesus' life where he had, he had been teaching publicly for a while now. He would, he would get up and, and on, on the days, on Saturdays, he would go to the, 
to the, where they worship there, and they worship on Saturdays and because of the Jewish tradition, and he would go to church, and, and he would stand up in the church, and he would begin to teach. And, and the people who were, who were the kind of the church leaders, the people that thought that they knew everything, there were different groups. Some of them were called Pharisees. Some of them were called Sadducees. Some of them called themselves experts in the law. And so these folks, they didn't like what Jesus was teaching. In fact, they didn't like it so much that, that eventually they would start to make plans to have Jesus murdered. That's how much they didn't like it. Now, why did they not like it? Um, how many of you, when you were in school, you were the rule follower in, in school. You were the person, like none of you won't admit this, but some of you were. If you were the rule follower and you wanted to make sure that, that you followed the rules, raise your hand. It'd be okay. All right. Now, Keep your hand up if you were not only the rule father that wanted to follow the rules, but you wanted to make sure everybody else followed the rules and you would tattle and that kind of stuff. All right. First of all, you just need to know nobody liked you in school, all right? <laughs> we might like you now, but nobody liked you then. And so that's, that's kind of what the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were big about the rules, man. They, they knew the rules. They were, they were reading the, the law, the Old Testament law. They were memorizing it. They were even adding their own stuff to it and saying, okay, if this law says this, well, then we can also add this other law on top of it. And, and they were following the rules, but they didn't just follow them for themselves. They were the watchdogs to make sure everybody else was doing what they were supposed to do. And they would tattle, and they would make sure, and they would say, oh, you took too many steps on the Sabbath. Did you realize that on the Sabbath, they would count how many steps you were allowed to take? And I can go see my neighbor on the Sabbath because it's only so many steps, but I can't go any further because if I go further, I'll use up too many of my steps. That's the kind of stuff that they were into. And they were really into what you ate, and they, they wouldn't have eaten country ham biscuits like I ate, I'll tell you that. And so they, they were really into all that kind of stuff, and they were rule followers, and they made sure everybody else followed the rules. And so Jesus shows up. And Jesus begins to teach, and it's obvious from the beginning that Jesus doesn't care what they think. In fact, not only does Jesus not care what they think, but sometimes he seems to do stuff intentionally to make them angry. He knows what, and, and what really bothered them was they began to figure out, hey, he knows what we're thinking. There's, there's teachings in the Bible where it says Jesus is teaching, and then he says, and then he knew what the Pharisees were thinking, and so then he said this, which that's got to really blow your mind. Because I'm up here preaching today, but I have no idea what you're thinking, but it would be awesome if I did and I could say, hey, I know you're thinking this right now, then you'd really pay a lot more attention to me. But that, Jesus would do that kind of stuff, and they, so they hated him for it. And they were trying to, they were trying to stop him from teaching all this stuff. And so what's happening here is that they had decided, this was before they were really trying to have him murdered. What they were trying to do right now is they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try to get him to contradict himself. And in Matthew 22, 15, just a few verses before we read, it says this, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. So they were hoping they could get him to do something illegal or say something that he wasn't supposed to say. And then they could say to everyone who followed him, hey, look at this. Look what he did wrong. Look what he said, and that's not right. And then if you look on down to the verses right before what we read, verses 34 and 35, there was a situation with the Sadducees where they tried to do that. And look what it says in verse 34. Hearing that, the Sad that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, and then the question he asked was, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus then answered it. But here's what I want you to understand. 
When Jesus gives the answer in verses 37 and 38 and 39 and 40, when he gives that answer, he's answering someone who wasn't asking because they were there to learn. The Pharisees weren't asking that because they were trying to become greater followers of God. They weren't asking that because they thought they needed to be taught. They were asking that only because they said, I'm going to test him and see if he says the right thing. And if he does it, we're going to do something about it. And so Jesus is teaching to a hostile crowd. He's teaching to people that don't want to be there. I hope most of you today want to be here. Now, chances are there's some of you that don't. And that someone dragged you in and come into here. And I hope by the time you leave, you'll still want to come back, even if you didn't want to come to begin with. But chances are most of you are here today because you wanted to be here. You made some type of effort. You got up. You got ready. You came here yourself. These were people that were at church, and they didn't want to be hearing what Jesus had to say. And so they said, we're going to try to test him with this. So when Jesus gives his answer, when he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself, that was a genius answer. And here's why. Because that came directly from the Old Testament law, which the Pharisees all knew. They had that stuff memorized. They were studying all the time. And so when he says to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, they said, oh yeah, I've read that before, and you can find that in your Bibles too in the Old Testament. And so so they were great with that. But where Jesus kind of switches it up is when he gets to verse 40, and he says this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus did there As he said, all these laws that y'all are so worried about, how many steps you walk and what you're eating and what the, the hooves of the things you are eating, what they look like before you slaughtered them and all that kind of stuff, all that stuff you're so worried about, he said, all that can be summed up in the two things I'm about to tell you, and that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every, all the Old Testament teachings can be summed up in those two things. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. And see, the Pharisees didn't like this because the truth, if you want to know the truth, the Pharisees were more concerned with keeping the rules than they were with loving people, than they were with helping their neighbor. They were more concerned with whether or not my neighbor is keeping the rules than whether or not my neighbor needs help. And you can see that in in the New Testament when Jesus would heal people. Sometimes Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath. That Saturday, that was the day they worshipped. And they believed that you shouldn't do any kind of work on Saturday. And so there'd be somebody there who's blind, never been able to see, and Jesus would heal them on the Sabbath. And you would think, I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing, witnessing a genuine praise Jesus miracle right in front of your face. You would think that they would say, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I've known that guy his whole life. He's never been able to see a thing. And now he's walking around and he can see, but no, not the Pharisees. What they said was, you did it on the wrong day of the week. You're not allowed to heal on Saturday. And it was proof that they didn't care about people. They just cared about keeping the rules. They just cared about keeping church the way church had always been for them. And see, whenever we as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if we ever get to the point that where we love the rules more than we love people, then we have gotten way, way off track. If we get to the point where we love our tradition more than we love people, then we've gotten way off track. One of the things that 
that I love about this church. Now, this church is not perfect because I'm the pastor of it and you, and you come here. And I'm not perfect, neither are you, so it's not perfect. But one of the things I do love about this church and, and, we, and we were very intentional, and we did this from the beginning, is that we wanted, to, we wanted to try to take away a lot of the things that keep people from coming to church. And, and one of the things that we decided to do something about is we were going to dress different than you have to dress at a lot of churches. And, and I've been in churches before, and there was one time I served at a church in New Orleans when I was in seminary, and we were starting to see a bunch of teenagers coming to church that had never been to church before. Well, guess what? Teenagers that came to church that had never been to church before you know what they wore when they came in? They wore into church what they had on when they were outside of church. And for that time, it was hats. And so we'd have all these guys coming in with hats on. And you know what I thought about that? I didn't care. Because I, don't, I really don't think God is overly offended if you walk into a building with a hat on. Because if he really was so offended at it, he would probably knock it off your head himself. And so I really wasn't that offended at it. But I remember we came into a deacons meeting and there were deacons in there saying, hey, we got a bunch of kids wearing hats in church. And I thought, what about the fact that we got a bunch of kids in church that didn't used to be in church? And, and that wasn't anything against those folks. Those guys were good guys. Those guys were, were guys that, that loved Jesus and, and loved their church, but they had just gotten out of whack and they had started to put the tradition and the rules ahead of people. And Jesus says in Matthew 27, 37 through 40, listen, it's about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and you loving people. See, Jesus simplified it into two things. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. It's simple. Two things, that's all he told us to remember. Now, you would think that when he strips all this away and he makes it simple and he says, just worry about loving God and loving people, you would think that we would be able to remember that, right? But it's kind of like me when, when Sherry, my wife, calls me sometimes and says, hey, before you come home, can you go by the store? And I'll say, yes, honey, you know that I will do anything that you need. You just name it and I will be there. And so I tell her, sure, I'll go by the store. And so she'll give me the list. And, and sometimes the list will be just two things. Usually at our house, it'd be like milk and more milk. We drink a lot of milk at our house. Milk and Nestle Quick, because I drink a lot of chocolate milk. And so she'll just give me two things to get. And if I don't write that down and put it on a sticky note on my wallet or go ahead and put it out in the car on the windshield, what I will do is at the end of the day, I'll get done, I'll get in my truck, I'll crank it up, and I'll drive home and walk in the door, and I haven't thought about going to the store. It just hasn't crossed my mind. Now, does that mean that I don't love my wife? Heck no. I love my wife. Just because I forget to go to the store when she asks me doesn't mean I don't love her. doesn't mean that I don't think about her when I'm not with her. But what it means is that I am easily distracted. And see, Jesus gave us two things to do. Love God and love people. But we, as human beings, we get distracted. There are things that take our mind off of who He is. There are things that take our mind off of focusing on other people and we begin to focus on on ourselves. And so, so what happens is, now that, that doesn't mean that we don't love God. 
It just means that we get distracted. It means that, that our attention gets somewhere else. There's been times when, when I've gone to the store, I have remembered to go to the store, but I didn't write it down. And what I'll do, I'll just walk around Ingalls hoping that I will see what she wanted me to get. And it'll jog my memory. And then eventually I'll just give up and call her. And see, maybe that's where you are sometimes with, with your relationship with God. It's like, you know, you, you know there's some things that you're supposed to focus on, there's some things you're supposed to do, but, but you're, you're so consumed by the worries of life, and I got these bills to pay, and my kids failing algebra, and, and I don't know what I'm doing here, and I'm worried about this house, and I got a problem with my roof, and whatever it might be. And then pretty soon you just feel like you're just kind of wandering through life saying, what am I supposed to be focusing on? Jesus said it's about loving God and it's about loving people. See, but we get distracted and we, and we sometimes we, we get it mixed up. We do other things. I, I've, got a, I've got a few things that I thought of that instead of loving God and loving people, sometimes we do this, especially if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus. Sometimes these are some things we do. One is, instead of loving God and loving people, sometimes we love God and judge people. We can really be good at that. You know, it, 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 it's pretty common. It's where, where we get, we're kind of like the Pharisees. We get so good at keeping the rules. And, and, and we, we're, so what happens is we're good at keeping the rules and we begin to look down on those people who don't keep the rules. And what happens is, is we forget that we were once there. We were once the people who did not keep the rules. We were once in trouble like they were. And not only do we forget that we were once there, but but we also forget that Jesus died for those people who aren't keeping the rules. We begin to think that it's really all about us and that Jesus is so proud of us and that if he was here, he'd just be slapping us on the back going, man, Cliff, if, if I just had more followers like you, you are awesome. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Maybe you don't. But I think sometimes we live like we do. We think, man, I'm so good. And so we look down on those folks that are outside the church, those folks that need the gospel. And there's a huge danger in that because when we love God but judge people, instead of loving God and loving people, what we do is we really push people away from Jesus instead of draw them to him. Second one that I think we do sometimes is we learn about God and ignore people. Instead of loving God and loving people, we learn about God and ignore people. And it's funny that I'm teaching this on the day that we're kind of kicking off life groups. But, but this, is, this is true. I think sometimes I heard somebody else say this uh, one time before. They said that most of us, if you've grown up in church, if you come to church every week and you've been in small group Bible studies and all that, most of us are educated far beyond our willingness to obey. In other words, we know about the Bible, but we're educated beyond our willingness to actually obey it. We, we know, we, we've learned it, we've done all this, we've, we've done every Beth Moore Bible study that there is and are just waiting with bated breath for her to write another one, you know. We, we've walked through the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've experienced God. We've, some of you have even gone crazy and done like verse by verse through Revelation and what does the, the snake mean and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and just you've gone all this. And some of you have even like read the Old Testament books that are really obscure, that we're going to do a 12-week study on Amos, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we do all and I'm not, and that, listen, that stuff is awesome. Because the Word of God is living and alive and it changes us when we read it. But sometimes we get so into doing all that and then at the same time, we're ignoring the world around us. We're ignoring the lost people that God has put in our path. 
That while we're spending so much time in these Bible studies and all this stuff, and we're proud of ourselves because we know so much, and we can name all 12 apostles backwards and forwards and then put them back in alphabetical order and all that kind of stuff, while we're doing that, we're not engaging with our lost co-workers. We're not engaging with any of the other lost people that God has put in your life because we're busy learning about God but ignoring people. And when we do that, we're really just fooling ourselves. We're making ourselves feel a lot better about who we are than we actually, actually are. And then, and then there's another one that, that probably most of you are not guilty. I know folks more outside the church are guilty of this one, but sometimes we can be as well. And that is instead of loving God and loving people, we ignore God and love people. And, and that is where, where it's like we're going to feed people, we're going to clothe people, we're going to provide them shelter, we're going to do clean water for 12 villages in Africa, but we're never going to tell them about the gospel. Because we're an organization that doesn't believe in doing that. We're an all-inclusive and we don't want to offend anybody. So we're going to make sure they've got clean water the rest of their life. And then they're going to die and spend eternity separated from God in hell. But man, they had some clean water while they were here on this earth. And that's like giving someone a luxury suite on the Titanic. Everything's really good for a while. Then judgment comes and, and things, things aren't so good. So sometimes there are people that can be guilty of that as well. But instead of all those things that we get distracted on, and loving God, and judging people, learning about God, ignoring people, whatever it is, Jesus has called us to love God and love people. And, and the thing about loving God and love people is those, those two things can't be separated. See, I believe that if we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, then loving others will flow from that. If we really love God with everything we've got, I mean, that's what heart, soul, and mind means. It means holding nothing back. And everything, every, every ounce of who we are, every inner piece of energy that we have poured into that of loving God, then loving people is going to flow flow from that because we can't love God and not love people because God loves people. God died for people. How in the world can we love, say we love God, but then we don't care if, if, if our coworkers, if our friends are going to go to hell when they die. If we love God, we're going to care about that stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do something inside of us. But what happens so often is that our own sinful nature gets in the way. See, the thing that we all have in common, many things we have in common, but one of the big things we have in common is, is that I sin and you sin. Your kids sin. And your parent, parents are like, heck yeah, they do. I'll tell you about that. Well, guess what, kids? Your parents sin. Even your grandmother is a sinner. My grandmother was one of the sweetest people that ever lived. I can't imagine that she ever sinned, but she was. We all sin. And our sin gets in the way of loving God and loving people. Because our sin tells us we deserve things. You don't have time to love people because you need that for yourself. It, and that comes naturally to us. And so the thing that I would want to challenge all of us to do today as a church is that it's, it's, it's okay for me to say, hey, go out there and love God and love people. And that's what we're supposed to do. But the thing I want to challenge you to do is to be on guard of your own sin. 
Be on guard. If you read through the Scripture, there's so many times in the, in the New Testament where it says be alert or be on guard. It's like God was just telling us over and over again, listen, if, you, if you're not paying attention, if you're not being you know, real specific about this and you think you can just cruise through life, stuff's going to creep in on you. Be on guard. Be alert. Uh, my, my parents are... Uh, are obviously are the grandparents of my kids. And, and so the stage of life they're in, my, my dad will be 70 in April. My mom is just a little bit younger than him. The stage of life they're in, all their friends have grandkids too. And so they tell grandkids stories and that's what they do. And uh, my, my parents were telling me this story that a friend of theirs who has grandkids, they were visiting the, their, the house of their kids and grandkids. And the little granddaughter who was about three years old, had a tea set, little plastic tea set. And those of you, I've, I've raised, raising and raised girls, you know, there's a lot of tea sets in the house and that kind of prissy stuff. And this little three-year-old kept bringing her granddaddy water to drink in her tea set. And she'd bring it and he's, oh, this is good. And he was drinking, you know, playing tea with her and that kind of thing. And uh, he had drank, I don't know, four or five cupfuls of water, you know, out of this teacup she was bringing. Well, and then all of a sudden, they just said, where is she getting this water from? And so they asked her to take her. And she goes in, and she's going to the toilet and just <laughs> scooping it in there, bringing it in to granddaddy, and granddaddy's just drinking it down, right? Like it's the best thing he's like, oh, that's good. Bring me another cup of that. I think that sometimes in life, we're just bringing the stuff that the world the stuff the world brings us, we're just taking it, we're just drinking it up. And we, we see stuff on TV, we hear stuff at work, we get ideas in our mind wherever they come from, Pinterest or whatever that is. Whatever, somebody puts something on Facebook and you think, that's a good idea. And we all start gathering around and we're drinking this stuff up. And it's, it's garbage that's coming to us from from the toilet, it's, it's stuff that, that God never intended for us to have as part of our life because we're not on guard. See, our own sinful nature will come out and it will try to take over our lives. But see, if you've accepted Jesus, He's stronger than your sinful nature. He's already defeated sin, but we have to be on our guard. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, you are lost in your sin. And there's no hope for you outside of Jesus. That's what the gospel is all about. And we as followers of Jesus, if that's who you are, we have to be on guard. See, the way of the gospel is simple, but it isn't easy. It's simple, but it isn't. It's simple. Love God and love people, but it's not easy. We have to be on our guard. If uh, one of the things we talk about at this church a lot is we talk about that we want to do want to do three things. We want to help people grow towards Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. And and if we're going to do that, all of that's going to begin with loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. That's where it begins. It's got to start there. Then everything else flows out of that. And I said to you last week. And I'll say it again just because I want you to understand that I'm, I'm in this with you. I don't have this all figured out. That I am amazed at myself at how quickly I will trade glory for garbage. I'm amazed at how quickly I will trade the good things God wants for me and I'll trade it in for the garbage that the world is trying to sell me. 
And so I have to be on guard, and I want to challenge you to be on guard as well. Don't trade in glory for garbage this week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to say a prayer. When we're done praying, we're going to uh, have a time together, so don't, don't get ready to go anywhere. Don't get ready to stand up. And, um, and, uh, but when I'm done praying, and I, I want you just to think about who you are, and, and if, if you're here today and, and, and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're not sure if you do, don't leave today without asking me or somebody else about that. Because that's what the gospel's all about. You being rescued from your sin. And if you're here today and you already have been rescued from sin, don't let it take over your life this week. Be on guard. Love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, and mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a, an opportunity today to be with, be with your people, to be gathered together as a family. And I pray that you would remind me tomorrow as I get up to go to the office and you would remind everybody else here tomorrow morning when we're away from this moment, away from this place, that we carry the gospel with us wherever we go and that we need to be on our guard, not allow the selfishness of our sin to take over, not allow the, the ways of the world to invade our life, but instead to be on our guard, to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. Only, the only way we can do that is through your help and through your power. And so we ask for an outpouring of your power on all of us. Fill us up with your spirit. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do for us. And thank you for the ways that you bless us day in and day out, even when we're not aware of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.